to another episode of Falling Hard. It's been a while. How are you all? I hope that you're doing well wherever you are, and maybe you're in a place that's even less in lockdown than where I currently am, Munich, Germany. Uh, Things are still very much closed here and very much under wraps as the situation with COVID is not very good, but let's not talk too much about that. Let's try to stay positive and raise our spirits. And along those lines, I have a really great conversation to bring to you today. So I'm talking to Grace, who is a Singaporean expat, uh, currently living in Munich, Germany, but she's also lived in some other parts of the country when she was going to university here. And we talk a little bit about the differences in culture between Germany and Singapore, including some differences in dating and relationship cultures, attitudes around marriage as well. Um, You'll hear about how people propose in Singapore, which was actually a fun surprise for me to learn, and some of the interesting governmental influence that the Singaporean government has on relationships there. So this is a great episode to listen to if you've ever wondered what the culture is like in Singapore a little bit and what it's like to live there. Um, We also talk about the really cute story of how Grace met her current uh, husband, who's German, and they met in Singapore, and what it's been like for her marrying her first boyfriend and making a long-distance relationship work for incredibly six years. So hats off to these two. That is incredibly impressive. Um, So yeah, we talk a little bit about how she met her future husband at work, started a long distance relationship with him, spanning between Singapore and Germany, um, kept in touch pre-smartphone era. There were some alternative communication methods involved there. Um, And yeah, some differences between the cultures in terms of religion, um, food culture, and also family expectations around dating a foreign person and how one deals with that. Um, so I'm really excited about this conversation. Grace and I had a lot of fun. This was the first podcast that we also recorded with a little glass of wine on a Saturday night, because what better way to spend your time in a pandemic? So hope you all enjoy this conversation as much as we did. And yeah, here we go. So welcome to the podcast, Grace. Hi, Sarah. Happy to be here. Yeah, why don't you, I guess, give everyone a brief background about yourself. We're here in Munich, Germany. How did you come to be in Germany? So I'm Grace. I'm from Singapore, and I moved to Germany in 2016 um, to be with my then long-term, long-distance boyfriend. Um, So yeah, and I'm now actually married, so I've successfully converted my long-distance relationship into a marriage partnership. Nice. Very happy. Nice. So do you feel like you have converted into being a German now, or how Germanified have you become? Oh, I don't think I could (laughs) ever call myself a native German, but I have picked up a few habits along the way. Um, Definitely... A little bit of a culture shock, but you know Germany is a great place to live. Um, obviously, miss home, but you know Germany is my new home with my husband and my new family here. Nice. So, what were your culture shock things? Definitely the fact that uh, it was a lot less 
digitally advanced than I assumed it would be coming from Singapore. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the the classic example everyone refers to is the fact that you had to pay with cash at so many places, including the bakery. Mm-hmm. Um, well, obviously the bakery is only going to cost <laughs> like four euros, so the small amounts we have to be cash, of course. But in Singapore, do you pay with like credit card at the bakery, or do you have bakeries? We do have bakeries, but you would I think in general, like pretty much everywhere, you could pay like wirelessly like by tapping your card and then obviously apple pay was also a thing there and now we have so many different alipay mm-hmm. modes of payment that you just don't need your wallet anymore by the way that was not meant offensively <laughs> like do you even have bakeries but, like, <laughs> but i really love the german bakeries it's a really big thing here and i actually miss that in canada and the u.s there's not as many amazing bakeries where you can just get fresh baked bread and rolls every day like super easily so so you've lived in germany for what five years now six more than that gosh with the pandemic it just it's <laughs> like forever such a weird calculation because what is time even what with the last time? year <laughs> um but like so i moved here in 2016 to study at ebbs so i did my master's there and then i lived in Hamburg for like six months before I then moved to Munich in June 2018 to work at Arcubia. Okay, so actually we moved here in the same year then, 2016. Nice. So do you miss anything about Singapore in particular? The food? Yeah. Well, I miss my family and my friends because I think, you know, in Singapore it's like a city state, country. (laughs) It's like all one island. So like the people you know you grew up with even from like primary school up until university you're obviously people move away for work but everyone's kind of like in the same place and working culture wise we had the whole like central business district so a city where pretty much you know everyone works in these massive high rises so it's you know it's so easy to meet meet up with people and I took that for granted massively when I moved to Germany and then realized like after university, we all spread out into different cities. And when you want to meet up a friend, it's like an active thing that you need to plan a trip mm-hmm. as opposed to like, hey, want to go grab brunch? Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, and do you think there's major differences between the like, I don't know, dating relationship and marriage culture of Singapore versus here? Like, are people getting married at a younger age probably than in Germany? So I think it's, it's quite interesting because I feel like there is like, two general camps like and I'm speaking purely from the perspective of like my friends um growing up so I think from a Singaporean perspective there is definitely a group that tends to settle down quite early so you know you would like date either at junior college which is before university or at university and then you would you know find your partner get married you know get a house like really soon after that Mm -hmm. but then there's also like other people who would you know date and are focused on their careers like my best friend and a lot of my other close friends back home they're also still like unmarried um and I don't think like are that intent on settling down anytime soon because you know Mm -hmm. it's a city it's an international one people come in and out you could date so many interesting people that are also not Singaporean. Yeah. 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 Feel like I fell like a little bit in the middle because I was always keen to like date more, 
but then I just happened to like have found my husband really early on and then <laughs> was just like oh I guess I'm one of those who settles down quite early then <laughs> so do you wish you would have had more fun dating experiences or I think like if I'm speaking as a parallel life sure mm-hmm. but not like oh I want to step out and like a part of me also think because like I met my boyfriend in 2010 and this is like before tinder was a thing yeah and i and i just wonder like i don't think i would be very good on tinder in this whole (laughs) online dating situation (laughs) yeah it's interesting i guess some people who never got to experience it are like so curious and i'm like oh i wonder what that would have been like or i wonder what it is like for other people and then the people who have to well quote-unquote have to spend a lot of time (laughs) on these apps or like somehow just have spent a lot of time on these dating apps they're like oh my god I just wish I had a solid stable relationship and I didn't have to be swiping all the time and going on all these shitty dates with different people (laughs) you know the grass is always greener kind of situation but um but I think that's interesting yeah maybe it's like the whole city thing where you said people in the city tend to be more focused on their career and stay single longer. That's probably more of a global phenomenon then. It's not even really city to city, just generally people in more rural areas tend to settle down younger and people in the city tend to be more career driven and stay single longer. I think that's probably true for a lot of cities, but I think what's interesting to me about Singapore is that, um, And I feel like this could definitely change over time. But there were definitely people who just wanted to settle down early because there are a lot of people whose families are are semi-quite religious. Um, And there's also the fact that the government likes for young Singaporeans to settle down and marry earlier. And, And there are a lot of benefits to doing so, which pragmatically make a lot of sense if you're in a very long-term stable relationship and can see yourself marrying this person and it's like why prolong the inevitable what are these government benefits that they offer so like i think a big thing is providing housing because with you know like singapore is really small it's really expensive to like even rent a place people still do it but it's also culturally for a lot of the Chinese Singaporean families it's like seen as a waste of money to like move out and pay rent when you could just live with your parents until you're ready to go get married oh so people live at home a lot longer people live at home a lot longer so you would obviously have the situation where you're dating someone the families get to know each other I think that speeds up the process because you know Mm -hmm. you're not traveling between different states and like a big thing yeah so the government you know offers subsidies for um basically couple married couples to buy their first flat wow and there's like um an income ceiling so if you're below a certain amount um you get like quite a lot of subsidies from the government and so i think intuitively if you're young starting out your career you haven't hit that cap and you're in a stable relationship it's like well we might as well just get married (laughs) yeah uh you know make the most of these like schemes and incentives oh it's so interesting yeah, yeah it's actually quite funny because um the scheme is for like flats that are so the government essentially to ensure now we're talking about like housing in a, in a dating app <laughs> no, <that's fine. laughs> dating podcast but 
So the government basically you are like applying for a flat in like a new build area. Mm-hmm. So they they don't exist. They take like three to five years to be built. Oh my god. Um. So it's quite funny because one of the cliches back when I was growing up in Singapore was that Singaporean men would essentially propose to you by saying, "Do you want to go register for a <laughs> BTO flat together?" And that was essentially your big signal oh that like. I would like to marry you. We're like very serious. Wow. Like we're going down this path towards matrimony, but he hasn't proposed yet. So that was always this thing that, as a kid, I found well, not as a kid, but like as a teenager, I was like, oh, that's so unromantic. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still wow. a thing that like persists because that's the case for my younger sister. Like, um, she and her boyfriend, they are pretty much gonna get married and. It started out with the whole should we go look at flats together? Wow! <laughs> and he hasn't proposed yet. <laughs> but so looking at flats together means you have to be on this registration list. Yeah, because you would like apply together, and then essentially, if you get the flat, you put down the deposit and stuff. By the time you move in, you need to like prove within six months of moving in that you are married. Wow! So this like, is like the yeah. U.S. fiance visa situation almost. <laughs> But like, okay. Are there other cities you know that do this, or is it just Singapore? I'm sure there might be a few other cities, but interesting. Just Singapore, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I mean, yeah, this was something that I never knew about. Like that, there's so many secret. I guess they're not secret, but we just <laughs> secret incentives to get married. Like in Germany, your taxes go down so much as well if you're married there's like a different tax class and i recently found out that in the u.s too you also save on taxes if you're married you have a lower tax rate in singapore you save a lot of taxes if you are married and have kids because you know governments also on these young singaporeans especially university educated ones who get together early and start making babies (laughs) are they having like a declining birth rate as well yeah yeah yeah. it's a massive issue (laughs) I guess, yeah, a lot of developed countries are having those issues. Okay, nice. Interesting. So, obviously, we're in Germany now, and your husband is German. So, just remind me how you guys met again. I think he went to Singapore, and you met in Singapore? Yes. So, he came to Singapore um, as part of, like, an overseas internship, because Mm -hmm. he, well, alongside his university studies in Germany, he was a work student at Commerzbank. Okay. And so it was like one of those perks as part of the program. And I had just finished my A-levels and was awaiting kind of starting university. So there was like essentially an eight-month gap in between. And my dad... <laughs> so after high school. Before, after yeah. high school, yeah, my dad met someone randomly at a golf course <laughs> who needed someone to fill in for someone in his team who was going on maternity leave. And that... <laughs> randomly seemed like an okay fit and so I ended up interning at the same place okay yeah that's where we met did you have an illicit forbidden office romance or how did (laughs) did this evolve (laughs) no we were like very focused on like just staying friends because we we always knew that like he would be going back to Germany in April so we were like yeah you know a long distance relationship that's not gonna work like Mm -hmm. we should just stay friends um but we got really close like over the internship because you know everyone else in the company was like a lot older so we were like the only two young people 
Um, so cute. Had <laughs> <laughs> a lot of coffee breaks together, maybe more than we should have if we wanted to be good interns. Um, and yeah, so he left, but we actually continued keeping in touch. And this was like pre iPhone, pre WhatsApp, and I didn't even have a BlackBerry then, so it was like wow. we did some weird like. We sent a lot of emails. letters. <laughs> handwritten letters by mail, right? No. no <laughs> emails, not, though. Okay. Yeah, so we, like, we had a lot of like, email correspondence. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we were like really close, like even after him leaving. And then it just got to a point where we were like, oh, well, okay, what are we doing? Like, we clearly like each other. And then I'm from Singapore. Girls, like, I don't feel super confident or bold enough to make the first move even though I know as like a feminist like that shouldn't hold me back but so he then asked you know like if I wanted to be his girlfriend and then I was like yes well, <laughs> while you were long distance yeah while we were long wow. distance so your relationship started long distance actually yeah it has a very weird start we I mean we kind of went went in knowing that we liked each other and that we just obviously wanted to continue talking to each other um but I would say both of us, we didn't know how long this whole long distance thing would last. And our approach was just to, you know, like, take it day by day. Let's not put too much pressure on things. Like, you know, we're students. We'll try and see each other as much as we yeah. can. We'll talk as much as we can. Aww. It's, like, so optimistic. <laughs> I feel like that's so heartwarming. I know. I think we were, like, quite optimistic. We were obviously a little bit naive. But I think the thing was that we did put too much pressure on things to, like... Yeah. And it was, like, I think... For a while, like every year on our like quote unquote anniversary of when we got together, we were like, "Hey, we made another year." (laughs) (laughs) So did did you guys like? Did you become boyfriend and girlfriend before you ever kissed or something? Then. Yeah, actually. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so he came back like October that year. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, so our first kiss was at Changi Airport. Very innocent starting. (laughs) And then you'd already been dating for like six months or something. Yeah, so we got to know each other a lot over like email and stuff. It's a very uncommon start. Not something I would recommend to a lot of my friends as well. Also because I think long distance is hard. There's no no way around it. There's no sugarcoating it. Like I had other friends who did it and those didn't pan out. And I don't know. I just think that, well, we're both kind of home buddies so I think the mindset and also like our personalities landed themselves like better to Mm -hmm. long distance and I guess we both just like also trust each other enough to kind of just let that go and then yeah remain naively optimistic until at one point we're like what are we doing we've been long distance together for so long maybe we should try and find a way to merge our lives together (laughs) yeah wow so you didn't have too many hesitations about, like, starting a long-distance relationship. You're just like, let's try it. Yeah, let's try it. Because, I mean, I wasn't very experienced in dating. So I think, I naively think um, that also having not had, like, a, a boyfriend before Garrett kind of helped. Because if I had dated, like, a local Singaporean guy and, like, been so used to, like, him being always there for me and like yeah. having a different set of expectations like then I would have inevitably been always comparing and then being upset as to like why he's so far away and stuff but I did have that same set of hang-ups because I was just like going in like oh this is new and 
if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. And then I'll be starting university in a couple months and then we'll see how that goes. Yeah. And maybe also when you're younger, it's not like all of your friends are in relationships and you're like the one single person, you know, whose boyfriend is long distance or something. I guess at that age, it's more common that most people are single. Yeah. So you're not like, I don't know, missing something that your partner is always away. Yeah, for sure. I definitely still had like a lot of friends to like hang out with. I never really felt like lonely. Obviously, I always wished that like when I was experiencing things, he could be there as well. But yeah, no, that's super unique. You were like, oh, my story is too boring. (laughs) (laughs) This is like totally unusual. But um, yeah, no, but that's also I think it's really cute that it's like your first boyfriend and now you guys are married, which is like a cute love story for for everyone to believe in. Also, it seems kind of almost like it parallels to a pandemic story that you guys had such a long-distance virtual relationship for so long. There's probably a lot of relationships starting now that are just purely virtual. Yeah. Yeah. And then how long were you guys long-distance for in total? Six years. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Do you have any tips for everyone on how to maintain I mean, I think just talking loads, whether it's on the phone or like text messages like really helps and obviously video calls and like being creative helps (laughs) but I think like what was something that I really liked when we were long distance that we don't do as much now was that like um so he would wish me good night and then he would like text me like always like a good morning text so I had something really nice to wake up to um, and then I would also send him, like, a good morning text. So we always made sure to wish each other, like, good morning and good night. And, I mean, now we just, like, you know, are in bed together and we're, like, good morning, good night. <laughs> not the same. But I think that was, like, quite nice when you were, like, obviously, like, by yourself. And you yeah. just had, like, a really sweet, like... And you have the time to, difference, yeah. too. Yeah, right? the time That's difference. Good. So we had, like, something sweet to wake up to. And then it was, like, obviously then, like, a little bit of a routine. Yeah. How much time difference is it? Like, seven? Six hours. And then seven hours when the time shifts. So, yeah, I'm trying to think back to, like, how I did it back then. Because, like, obviously when you're a student, your time is a lot more flexible. Yeah, that's the difference. Um, and then when I started working two years before I moved to Germany... I think we yeah we we leaned a lot more into texting rather than calls and then reserved that for weekends then we would just have much longer calls. Oh okay. But that's also a bummer if you're trying to like have weekend plans with friends then. Yeah, I feel like it's never easy, especially with a big time difference. But um, yeah, so how is your family about you dating a foreign guy? I guess an international relationship. So overall, I think they've been super supportive, but I think, so I did keep like our relationship on the down low from like a lot, my, like my family and also quite a few of my friends for quite a while. Cause just cause you know, long distance for his boyfriend, he's not even here. Just did, we, I didn't know if it was going to work out. Mm-hmm. Um, but my mom kind of figured it out after a while because her daughter was getting these like packages from Germany oh. with like all the presents and stuff. And she was like, oh, this can't be just a friend. Very <laughs> <laughs> so, nice friend that you have there. Yeah. And so like um, for, for, for a while, she would like casually drop hints like, oh, you know, like, 
I guess it's cute that you're dating like someone from Germany, but you know, you're in a new, you're in a new school, you're meeting all these new boys. Like, <laughs> <laughs> don't no, don't close off any like opportunities that arise. Like, <laughs> you know, you're still young. You should date more, play the field. Like, <laughs> well, not like yeah, play yeah. play the field, but just see more guys. See if any of like the local guys you like. Mm-hmm. Um, but after she met him, she dropped all of that, <laughs> dropped yeah. all those comments. I think she she really liked him from meeting him. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Um, and you said in Singapore, it's not as common for girls to make the first move. Do you feel like it's more like guys are the only ones making the first move there? Is that different than in Europe or in Germany? I don't think it's an exclusive thing because I feel like you know, my generation, like, I think because Singapore has developed so fast and we do have quite a lot of um, international people who come, live, work, even settle down and then raise families and stuff. So you do get quite a lot of influenced by a lot of other ideas. Mm -hmm. But I think for me at least and for my group of friends, I think it was just like a shy thing. We just expected boys to make the first move more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think guys in Singapore, um, quite a few of my guy friends also like to be, you know, seen as the protector, the man of the household, like be the breadwinner, someone that you know can take care of women that they can rely on. It's not like a super macho masculine culture, but mm-hmm. um, but a bit more traditional. Bit more guess, traditional, yeah. yeah. How religious is it? Is it like is there a dominant religion in Singapore or? I guess there's like a bunch of different ethnic There's a bunch groups, of different. Right? Yeah, so like my family and I was raised Buddhist, but like a lot of my friends were so like Christians and, or Catholics or yeah. So mm-hmm. and do you do you still identify as Buddhist? No, I'm quite agnostic at this <laughs> point. <laughs> my family was never like super religious, so like um I don't think it was ever a factor in like my dating um, criteria or so. Yeah. <laughs> like I had, I do have some friends where like being from the same religion or being from the same church was like super important for them. Um, mm-hmm. Is Garrett religious? No, okay. <laughs> I think that was where. Thankfully, we didn't have like any sort of differences of opinion. I think his family raised in Protestant. But they were like really chill about it, so <laughs> chill Protestants. <laughs> like a Protestant, I'm like a chill Protestant. <laughs> nice. No, that's good. That's nice. You guys didn't have too many. I mean, it seems like you didn't even have many cultural differences then. Like you were already kind of on the same page in a lot of respects. I think we had similar values yeah. and like ways of approaching things, which helped. And in terms of like cultural. I think there's still like a little bit of cultural difference from the fact that he grew up in Germany and I grew up in Singapore. Like when we first started traveling together, um, like I was like quite food obsessed. So I like, I would like plan out like where we want to go and eat. And like in Singapore, it's like, especially if you go to like hawker centers or um, like not fancy restaurants, like, like street a long, food. Yeah, like a long yeah. queue means that that place is good. It's a sign of quality. And like, therefore, 
you should eat there. Yeah. Um, and the empty stall that is like not attracting anyone means that it's crap and you should <laughs> not go there. And then yeah. Gara's just like, I hate queuing. I would never queue for food. Like, why are we queuing? Let's just go to this other place that's empty. And I was like, no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Life's too short. Please <laughs> don't have yeah. food. Yeah, that's really interesting. I feel like attitudes to food or food cultural food culture is like actually probably one of the biggest cultural differences between people like for example I also know a couple who um well they're not together anymore but one was French and one was American and they had totally different approach and attitude to food like the French person wanted to like really valued food and was happy to spend a lot of money at a nice restaurant and wanted to have like a really nice food experience and really high quality food, you know, like that's kind of a typical French attitude, I think, to really value high quality and a nice dining experience and stuff. And um, the American friend, he was, uh, he did not value those things really. He was more just like, I want to get the best value or he just didn't really value spending um like a lot of his money on food he was like no I like I prefer drinking and going out having a good time with friends drinking I would rather spend money on that like on beer or at a bar or something like that and um food is just kind of fuel to me like I can just eat some like I'll eat food for nutrients but it doesn't have to be like super fancy or I don't want to spend a lot of money going to really fancy restaurants that's not what I value so And that was, like, a pretty big clash for them, I think. That was maybe not the only reason, but maybe a contributing factor to why their relationship... Yeah, I can see it. I wouldn't necessarily have to say, like, everything I eat has to be, like, super high quality because I definitely have indulged in McDonald's now and again. Mm -hmm. But But even just interest in food. Like, some people are really interested in food. And some are not. Like you said, like, food to them is fuel. And for me, like, I... In, in Singapore, it's, like, super common to be, like, oh, so what are we having for lunch today? And is you having lunch? And, like, so where should we go for dinner? Like, mm. I think food is a very integral part of yeah. local culture. It's, like, a huge thing people talk about, a huge thing that everyone's interested in. It's where you, like, it's very social. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I think Germans are social. Like, they love to, like, meet and talk to friends and stuff. But it doesn't feel like food is, like... Mm-hmm. As necessary a component of that mm-hmm. yeah I mean that's actually that's another good cultural difference because you said you hate eating cold lunches like in, <laughs> in Singapore you have to eat a hot lunch right yeah so I think a lot of our meals are warm and therefore ergo like for me a cold like meal is like oh it's so sad yeah, <laughs> it's not yeah but German culture is very like bread culture like it's really common to have cold breakfast and a cold lunch you have a sandwich or like a spread of a lot of different gluten like different like bread rolls and spreads and cheese and cold cuts and stuff and yeah I guess that's not Singaporean (laughs) (laughs) not really to Garrett's credit I think he's been super open food wise I just always have to convince him that it's worth queuing for and then he begrudgingly agrees that the food is good and (laughs) yeah but isn't food amazing that we can bond over it and overcome cultural differences through food I guess I always say like I basically um like that's how I like won him over was like because you know my mom always I, I don't know it was my mom or like growing up but they were like you know they were like oh a, a way to a man's heart is like through his stomach and I was like in every culture yeah and I was like well I can't cook so because 
I didn't really grow up in Singapore, like cooking and having a huge like interest in like these domestic things. But I was like, what I can do is take him to nice restaurants oh. and and like local food and introduce him to like good food there. Perfect, and it worked. It worked. Yeah, ladies, you don't always have to learn how to cook for your man. <laughs> you just gotta learn which restaurants to take. Yeah, you can. You don't have to be in the kitchen. Grace's dating tips. <laughs> Feminist interpretation of a way to a man's heart. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, okay. Maybe just to wrap it up, I kind of just want to talk about um, how you felt about moving to Germany. Like that's a huge decision and a huge step. Do you feel like it was hard for you or scary or did you just like, like me just sort of not think about it that much and kind of just do it and just say, okay, well, you know, I'll just try it and see what happens. Good question. I mean, I think for, a long time, especially early in our relationship, I didn't see myself as the one moving to Germany. Because um, I love Singapore, I love where I grew up, and I think it's a great place to live, you know, speaking as a completely unbiased person here. <laughs> so you thought he might move to Singapore? Yeah, so I was hoping to entice him to move to Singapore instead, because it's, you know, it's super welcoming towards foreigners as well, it's a great opportunity. Um, and yeah, but I think it got to a point where year on year after year, we were surprised at how long lasting our relationship was. And, you know, there was, I think the pull to want to be together kind of slowly overrode sort of the need that he should move to Singapore with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there were also like other things, like a long time growing up, I always wanted to live abroad. Um, I had applied to like universities in the US and the UK but ultimately chose to stay in Singapore because I had like a really generous scholarship um Mm -hmm. so I started viewing this as an opportunity to yeah like you know to be with Garrett but also then fulfill a childhood dream dream of living and working abroad Mm -hmm. and then I think it has been over time as we you know, worked on our careers and both got to where we were respectively, that it just then made more sense to stay in Germany and then put down roots here for the long term. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's just hard. It's hard to imagine what your life is like when you're, like, 20. Yeah. And kudos to you guys for staying together <laughs> through so many years of long distance. Yeah. But then, so you applied to the, what is it, European Business School? Yes. Um, So you just applied to that, and then you, I guess, got in and decided to accept the offer, and that's when you came over the first time? Yeah, so we decided that, you know, after two years of me working, was a good, you know, time to, like, take a break and do a master's, and so I applied to EBS, BHU, and Mannheim, but I had already done my exchange in Mannheim, so... That seemed like a great chance to like see something different because I had spent my whole life in cities, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Why not move to wine country?" And where is it exactly? It's like in the Rheingau, so it's like near Frankfurt, okay. um, along the River Rhine, and then they like grow tons of white wine there. Nice, it's but kind of a small town. Super small, like okay. the tra- <laughs> with, like the train only comes once an hour. Small. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But it was like beautiful, and it was like an idyllic place to do a master's. I mean, it's you know I had the city life of like going out, um, 
it's just nice to like be done with classes at 3 p.m. and then go to like the wine stand nearby and like open a bottle of Riesling <laughs> with your with your friends. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. And where was Garrett living then? Well, you guys were still long distance, even though you were in Germany. <laughs> well, we were in the same time zone, so it was like, bonus, this is so much easier. Okay. Um, he was in Hamburg, yeah. So that's, for anyone not in Germany, what, North. it might be like four hours away? Longer. Longer, five, yeah. six Maybe hours? Five hours, hours or so. Okay. Um, so yeah, either I would take the train up to visit him and then stay like weekend, long weekend, or he would drive down. I think because he was like working on a project in Dusseldorf, which is like not that much further to come back down. But yeah. did you apply to any universities around Hamburg? Um, no, because <laughs> I thought that I should still try to like you know thinking about my career and stuff. I should still try and go to like good universities. So I literally googled like top we business schools, the best ones, top business yeah. schools in in Germany, and then and then apply to those and uh yeah unfortunately you know <laughs> Hamburg doesn't have one of the best ones I don't know I feel like we should cut that out just in case someone is listening and it's just like gets super offended what about Tomb? what about LMU <laughs> it's, it's like only apply to three it's just the rankings that you have at the time okay no but when you were actually moving to Germany were you uh, like scared or were you like hesitant or worried that it wouldn't work out or I don't know like it is a really far distance were you like thinking oh I'm leaving forever I'm never coming back or I'll just try it for a few years and then I can still convince him that we'll move back here what was, what was your thought process I was I think I was quite nervous but then like as unsexy as it sounds like I think before like I moved here as if we were like having all these conversations leading up to like you know whether it's a good idea to do your master's and therefore you should do your master's in Germany you know I think we like in my view I, I don't think he remembers this but like in my view we were I was like you know if I move to Germany you know because I could obviously study in the UK I could study in Switzerland as well like I feel like this means that at some point like there's no pressure right now but <laughs> you are, like, super serious about me, right? And you see this heading towards, like... <laughs> the Singaporean in me came out and was like, are we on the same page here? Um, and he was like, yeah. And so I think I felt comforted by that fact. So you were like, boy, are you going to put a ring on it? <laughs> Essentially, kind of, yeah. Okay. I was like, you don't have to put a ring on it right now, but I need to know that you are going to put a ring on it at some point. Mm-hmm. Um and so he was like, yeah, that's cool. Um, so I came here, and then, I mean, it was two years. I had a really great time at Ebbs. I made really good friends. Like, it was a great program. And, yeah, and then when we moved to Munich, actually, I think it was because when we actually finally moved in together, and then my parents were like, oh, you know, Gary and Grace, you're actually living together now. Maybe you should make it official Ooh. and get married the parental pressure yeah comes the parental in. pressure because i i think it's becoming more common now but it's still not super common for couples to live together like before marriage in singapore right so my parents are like mm-hmm. 
making honest women out of her. They didn't exactly say that. My parents don't know that that term and what it means. But <laughs> yeah, that's also such an interesting concept to me because I don't know. My parents are very liberal. I guess they're not very conservative like that. And so that's not something that's ever really come up or crossed my mind. But another good friend of mine, she moved in in Canada. She moved in together with her boyfriend. And his parents are very, very Christian and very religious. And they were really upset that they were moving in together and not being married yet. And I was like, mind blown by this. I was like, what? Like, that still happens? Like, this is the 21st century and people like people's parents are still out here getting upset about these kind of yeah, things yeah they do i thought we were like past the, i don't know i thought we, i guess i don't know any that many super religious people but just, so like i mean i've been lucky that my mom and my dad have always been like super supportive of you know my relationship with garrett that he was mm-hmm. a foreigner you know not someone local and living so far away and then also having to bless the fact that you know their daughter was going Aww. to a school abroad and then likely eventually going to marry Leaving forever yeah. Yeah. i mean it wasn't said but i think that's what my parents implicitly guessed slash were hoping for um so they've been super supportive but i think like my mom was also telling me i think there were like family friends or or just casual acquaintances who were like you know when they found out that her daughter was living with like a man overseas would like make judgmental comments like wow it is it is some of a taboo among like the older, more traditional like set. Yeah, yeah. Um, not that anyone should like live their life by these like, yeah. pressures, but you know, he caved. He <laughs> <laughs> he proposed. I accepted, and then we got married. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, congratulations, and now you guys are married and building a house together. Actually, <laughs> right? Is that the right terminology? But I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Really outside of Munich be really nice hope I can visit but um no really exciting so yeah thanks for sharing your story I think it's really cool to hear about all these cultural things from Singapore and your international relationship and happy to share but I feel like this is such a uncommon story I don't know how relatable it is for your listeners (laughs) yeah I don't know maybe there's like bits and pieces that people can relate to or just for the entertainment value of learning <laughs> like what a unicorn or like what a <laughs> rarity of a relationship marries her first boyfriend <laughs> does six years purely long, long distance <laughs> yeah thanks grace lovely lovely to talk to you today all right well that's a wrap i hope you guys enjoyed the conversation Um, I'm starting to wonder why I do outros because I'm actually not reading any additional ads for you guys. There's no credits of anyone else to thank on this show. (laughs) It is all me. I do 100% of the music. Okay. No, I I didn't like write that music. It's, um, copyright free music that you can get online, but I do all the writing and editing and producing and I am half the talent. So credits go to me. Um, there's only one form of social media for this podcast right now. It's Instagram. So if you don't follow it, you should follow it. It will be updated really rarely, but it will be updated when there's a new episode. It's at falling hard podcast on Instagram. And if you listen to the show and you enjoyed it, or you have any feedback, definitely feel free to reach out and let me know through Instagram on there. I would love to hear it. 
and let me know if there's any topics uh, that you guys would be particularly interested in for future episodes. Um, yeah. And I feel like I should coin some really like cheesy kind of outro line, like keep falling hard in love with your life. Um, but yeah, let me, <laughs> let me know if you think that's just really lame or if that's something <laughs> that I should start doing. And yeah, thanks everyone for listening and wishing you all a wonderful rest of your day and week and month and everything. Okay, that's a bit much. So take care. Bye. Bye.